everyone's been really nice in the past. And then we had John Hodgson on last the last episode, who was absolutely brilliant. And he just said, well, that's rubbish. You're an idiot. <laughs> it sparked it. It's about mainly to me, actually. Uh, we sparked it. It's good. Really good fun. Yeah, well, he's no okay, Elmore, so. is he? <laughs> Although, uh, do you know, TS, TSR have started following me, and they sent me a message saying, why Why did you say that John Hodgson was better than Larry Elmore? <laughs> yeah. Why? <laughs> Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Frankenstein's RPG podcast. Thanks for downloading us. I'm absolutely amazed by how well the podcast seems to be going and I'm loving the feedback. But please, if you do leave feedback, follow the Grognard code. Respect in all things. What does that come from the Godfather? Hmm. This episode looks at the enormous task of resource management. By which we mean the game mechanic that best manages to harness, use and replenish the stuff you use in the game. It's truly a Herculean task and to give it half a show is not looking in depth enough but we at least come to some sort of conclusion. Up second is hit points or damage recording, either in combat or damage through accident and how we should deal with it in the game. Again, we could probably do about a day or so on this, so it did remarkably well to wrap up within such a short space of time. This time I'm joined by Mark from the Champions podcast. Please do check them out. Really, really good. Wayne, artist extraordinaire who makes his debut too. And Jim, who bizarrely we forgot to introduce, but it's Jim. Uh, It is his third time after all. So we then crack straight on with the task in hand, and as always, Traveller gets an honourable mention, and oddly enough, a lot of praise in this episode. But uh, sorry, Tunnels and Trolls fans. Now for those who are new to us, what is it all about? Well, each episode we get a group of grognards together to look at the very best elements of role-playing games on a given theme or subject. We debate a bit waffle a lot more around the topic and then vote on which games will contribute to our creation the frankenstein's monster of a game the idea is that once we've constructed this devilish entity we'll then play it and see if it all hangs together or indeed falls hopelessly apart at the seams anyway thanks for all the participation via twitter Uh, And I hope you enjoy it as we again embark on this most odd of creative exercises. Um, Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, episode six uh, of the Frankenstein's role-playing game podcast. Um, And in this episode, we're looking at two topics again. Uh, the very broad uh, and uh, quite woolly, I suggest, uh, before our incise-minded panel start to sort of uh, 
narrow it down for us, resource management. Uh, and then the second part of uh, the debate will be about hit points or damage or, or you know, sort of how we record that. So it, loosely entitled hit points. But um, uh, I'll, try, I'll try and draw on some of the uh, acid and uh, vitriol that we have experienced via Twitter. Uh, just to give uh, a sprinkling of other people's opinions. Uh, and then hopefully we'll come to a, a couple of uh, decisive um, votes in which we look for the best of resource management and the best of uh, best game that records hit points or damage. Okay. So uh, we'll turn to our panel and uh, perhaps uh, Wayne, you'd like to introduce yourself, uh, how anybody can find you. And yeah, sure. Uh, Wayne Peters. Um, I'm on Twitter as Wayne underscore Peters. Um, I'm I'm an artist, so I've never designed or published a game in my life. So everything I say after this point is gibberish, really. But uh, you know, I know what I like, and that's me. <laughs> uh, just, just, just like most of Twitter, really. Uh, and uh, Mark, perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Mark. I'm from the uh, Champions RPG podcast. I, again, like, uh, like Wayne, don't work in the industry in any way, shape, or form. I've just played games for a long time, and I'm a, a, a grizzled old grognard, I suppose, who tries to <laughs> tries to be, uh, I don't know, tolerant of the younger <laughs> the younger upstarts. You, you you can't you can't position yourself to avoid controversy. <laughs> well, then you get flagged no, from both directions. <laughs> yeah, no, no, nobody cares that you're nice. <laughs> they just care if you like traveller. No, no, I'm pretending to be nice. That's different. <laughs> ah, no, that's well, that's entirely entirely acceptable. Uh, and uh, I think this is your hat trick performance, isn't it, Jim? Oh yeah, it could be. Yeah, I've, I've failed forward into this. In fact. I, I, you know, I know nothing outside of Garantra, essentially, and very little of that. So, yeah. <laughs> very good. I have a feeling I know where at least part of uh, part of this episode will be heading. So, the first uh, the first topic that we have uh, to have a look at is uh, resource management. Uh, and I think it's been fair to say that there's been a lot of uh, various sorts of uh, ideas certainly coming to us from, from Twitter and from email and from voice uh, messages to, to the pod as well. Um, but I guess it, partly, Wayne, it came out of something that you uh, you talked about in the early days when we were sort of saying, OK, what, what are we missing? What areas are we should we be looking at for the podcast? Do you want to just explain what it was you originally sort of thought about and then we'll completely ignore that and go and talk about something else? Yeah, Absolutely. No, um, it, it was just it, it was a, it was a thought I had one morning of because um, I know with with um, classic travel and it was classic travel I was thinking of specifically. Um, you you get your ship and you get unless you sort of win one in your in your mustering out in your character creation, um, you have a mortgage on it and you're paying this thing off, and it's travelers traveler like a lot of old games and like a like a lot of modern games really. It, you're, you're being counting, and you're, you're, every single credit is is accounted for. And I just wondered if it was possible to um, sort of abstract it, and mm. rather than being counting every single credit, abstract it. And that just got me thinking about games and how how games um, manage their resources, um, yeah. how they manage their money. Uh, and then 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 it, that that kind of went into things like you know your bullets and your arrows and this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I mentioned it 
uh, as as an idea for the for an episode, and then and then you asked me to join, to join in. So here I am. Yeah. Um, well, yeah just, I, one, just wondering what works best: uh, a bean counting system, or a, mm-hmm. or abstracting your your wealth, your income. In terms of correspondence, anyway, a definite split between people who just sort of said, "Well, just forget it. Why would you even bother?" You know, if you're playing a fantasy game, what's the point? You know, you may as well just completely upset. Right the way through to the other side of the argument, which was, well, no, it's important because, you know, uh, what if you run out of arrows whilst you're facing the big bad and all those oil flasks that seem to appear from nowhere? It's almost a bit of a form of cheating. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that one. But uh, so uh, because of, obviously you, you stuck your head above the parapet, is, is there a game that actually you've come across that you think um, they handle resource management and it still is a fairly sort of broad topic but someone that strikes you ah, actually they handled this bit well because of course it could be something related to encumbrance that you could use for other resources no reason why it would be just tied to that is there one you think is is any good yes uh well there's several really and they all do it to different um sort of levels i mean something like um for example uh call of cthulhu um, where the, uh-huh. you do you can actually track every dollar you own, but they also have a kind of a status. Uh, I forget forget what it's called. It's one of your skills, isn't it? It's like social status or something, and that can be used as a general kind of just credit you know, just credit rating. Credit isn't it? rating, yeah, and that can be used as just a general you know, roll on that and see if we see if you do own a a, a Model T Ford, um, <laughs> or things like um, the one okay, ring. So- Really yeah. abstracts it right down. That's the, that's the other. I think that's the, the the far end. That's the extreme end, where you either have war gear or adventuring gear, and that's mm-hmm. it. And and everything's implied in just those those words. Um, and you have a weapon, and that that's that's it. I think you have a you've got a kind of a wealth score as well, do you? But that's kind of it's like one or two points that you divvy up in downtime. You can you can yeah. pump it into your community and try and increase your standing, but. Um, but that appeals to me. That that level of simplicity might be a bit too far for some folks, but that really appeals. Mm. Uh, is it, uh, I think the again the only sort of constant with with things were uh, free free league featured very very highly um, amongst it. There were some odd games that were sort of talked about, and uh, you know even through, even more sort of loose than than you talk about Troika, for example which I think pretty much sort of eschews everything, but it sort of says, well, okay, the slot that you store it in is, and how difficult it is to access, access some sort of management resource, I think, for things. Again, I, I need to look again at Troika, so I'm probably talking at the bottom. And then you have people like Paul Fricker, of course, who should know better. Uh, he just wanted the, the mechanic from Agrihazard. Uh, actually, that's, that's not true. Uh, he, he he thought there were probably at least two shows here with with resource management and hit points differently. So because there is such a broad approach to it, okay. So so sort of one one ring and Call of Cthulhu. I think you're right with the Call of Cthulhu with credit rating. It really does sort of abstract that. It, it also acts as sort of like a recognition mechanic. I think doesn't it? So yeah. you you can use it to influence people. Yeah. Well, they do give you sort of um, annual incomes, so you can bean count if you want. You know that yeah. that's there. But if you do want to abstract it, your, your credit rating is probably just a good, nice, simple house rule or straightforward. Okay. Yeah, good. Okay, like that. Uh, we'll come back to you in a bit and see which one you, you're finally going to sort of plug sure. for. Those. So, Jim, uh, I'm going to say, uh, is RuneQuest going to feature highly in this particular part of the show? Or? No, not at all. I'm not entirely a one-trick pony. 
Um, <laughs> no, I, I did actually put some thought into this, and I, and I uh, a, a little bit like Wayne, I guess. I I thought the different areas that uh, sprang to mind about resource management, and yeah. uh, I came up with five, but two of them are sort of related, and the two that are related are lists of stuff. You know, how much does your broadsword cost or your crossbow, mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and character creation, which sort of goes hand in hand. Um, the thing that I, I've noted about character creation amongst sort of my own players is um, they just really like the idea of rolling on an heirloom table for a bit of flavour. Okay. Um, and I noticed D&D's got that was with some trinkets that I, that I found today. So that, that's the fun bit. And, and what I think about resource management, it should add something to the game. Whatever, whatever thing it is that you you like it should be additive it shouldn't be an overhead for no value um so so those two things that were linked then uh actually i had coc written written down here uh in in one of these which is uh around how do you manage um that kind of credit rating stuff or even on the larger scale i was thinking of it around your clan or your tribe or your city or something like that if you if you want to um, abstract the resources of that kind of thing. Uh, perhaps a group that you're with, um, uh, you know, maybe a guild or something like that, versus something else. Mm-hmm. You need a you need a mechanic around that, and credit rating could be one. Um, uh, Hero quest or quest world is becoming has has got a mechanic around that, where a, a clan or a tribe or whatever can can have a resource. Um, so that was another one. Um, then I thought of resource management as a specific part of the game. And, and by that, I mean activities like trading, mm. where you, you you actually have a uh, an activity in the game that you've got a specific mechanic for. Right. Um, and, and Traveller was one that sprung to mind. Because of my very odd collection of stuff from SDVM Games 30 years ago, I looked up the, uh, the, the ship character sheet from Traveller Book 5 Highguard, uh, and, and this has got uh, 13 little slots to put stuff in. Um, and, you know, it's, it's enormously complicated, but if you like that kind of stuff, I'm sure it's great. And, and no sniggering at the back there, Dave, about Traveller. I, I genuinely mean that in a, in, a, in a complimentary way because I thought, what, what's the ultimate example of something where you, you want to play with resources and make a game out of it? So, you know, that, um, that sprang to mind there. And, and the, it's, 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 it's like a trigger word there, really, isn't it? Well, well for, for some, I'm sure. Um, but the, 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 <laughs> I can keep, keep trying to go uh, on. Um, so the, the fifth thing I thought about was was actual character or party development over time. And okay. this comes back to um, thinking about resources in terms of are you running something that is well, long-running, a long-running campaign, or are you running something that's uh, more of a short campaign, short set of adventures, maybe just yeah. a one-off. And, yeah. and in a one-off case, you, you really don't care. You just want to get on with it and perhaps it's a convention game. But when you're thinking about character or party development, um, yeah. you, you you perhaps want something like the phases that you've got in the One Ring, that okay. kind of fellowship phase or uh, wintering in Pendragon. Um, or even Worlds Without Numbers got this idea of building up renown so that you can then do projects. Uh, so it's all about that development outside, but it's not in and of itself something where resource management becomes an integral part of the game, like the trading or the managing the spaceship. Um, 
it's just that thing that can happen in the background, but it's additive to what you're doing in in each adventure. Okay, so so sort of there's almost like you're saying in terms of resource management, you, you've got on, on the very very basic level, you've got encumbrance. You know, physically being able to hold stuff is is yeah. sort of a very very basic resource management. But you're talking about really right the way through to that end result, which is, you know, if there is a uh, a final sort of outcome for the game. So, for example, in Forbidden Lands, you have the idea of creating this sort of stronghold, as you do in Dungeons & Dragons, actually, don't you? Mm. The original, uh, certainly, certainly D&D as opposed to 5th edition or any of the other iterations, along the way. I don't know where, where they stand. But, but the whole point of it was to end up having your own stronghold, Uh Unless, of course, I've dreamt that, which is entirely possible. Uh, but it's, it's interesting. So one ring again, that sort of slightly abstract bit, right the way through to, okay, you've got this many things and you're holding them and away you go. Uh, but, and and then, then the sort of structure of society comes in, I think it feeds in a little bit to Wayne's point on credit rating, you know, developing that sort of uh, monetary kind of resources and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it depends what the game focuses on and what you want as a as a yeah. table, like like everything else essentially. But yeah. I think it's got to have, or it's good to have some humour in it. I mean, the heirloom table, the trinkets, and character generation is one. You know, yeah. in uh, in 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 Pendragon, you can buy the services of a poet to slag off your opposition or create yeah. a love poem or something yeah. like that. Or you can you can actually buy a pirate ship with. Um, 20 pirates, no questions asked. I mean, that, that kind of thing is great. And I think that's additive. Like the... Uh, no uh, questions so, so asked. Like rolling the <laughs> or something. Is this some sort of... Is this some sort of pirate spiv in RuneQuest? I've got this lovely uh, galleon for you, sir. Uh, yeah, it could be. It could be sort of a Del Trotter type uh, pirate captain or something, yeah. yeah. And you got three oars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the oars, the oars, are, the oars are extra. So, only got left-handed oars. Going round in circles. Round in circles. <laughs> left-handed oars. Yeah. It was, it, uh, there was one bit that you, you you certainly sort of mentioned in there, which I'd I'd kind of thought of, which is actually, you know, almost what's the purpose of the game? You know, but it, it relates to what you were talking about with regard to one shot versus campaign. Uh, and I think if you are going into a very long, and again, Forbidden Lands sort of did this, but my, my play experience in Forbidden Lands is, is sort of limited to uh, one series of scenarios. It would have been a campaign, but it was. It felt like that resource management was a real feature of the game and was tough. It was difficult. Um and I'm 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 not sure whether I am there as as a sort of a GM and as a as a fan of role playing games to, for it to be so so integral to integral to the game. You know, if it's a one shot, do you really want to be talking about? Okay, I've got twenty arrows, five torches. As, as somebody said, you could always set fire to the gnome, which is which is uh, I think is a good idea. But you know, one one shot versus campaign, you know, which is it? You know, would you would you put different weights on it? But I do like the idea of this structure. I like this, particularly the idea of credit rating. Do you know, I hadn't even thought about credit rating in Cthulhu. I'm a big Cthulhu fan. A bit quite cross myself now, actually. That's, uh, that's, then, of my, course, that's my um, my go-to. You know, when, when I when I yeah. think of this concept, that's where I start essentially. Yeah. I always like that idea. 
Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. Thanks, Jim. Mark. Uh, <laughs> Again, de- debuting alongside Wayne here, but uh, what, yeah, yeah. what sort of approach did you take? Not at all intimidated now. Um, <laughs> no, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the resident simpleton, so, so don't, worry, don't worry. So, yeah, when, when I saw the question, I, I mean, the first thing for us is, you know, over all the years I've been playing, it's something we've never really, we sort of hand-waved a lot of, mm. you know, sort of how much of things, unless they've, they've got real impact to the game itself. Yeah. Uh, and the same with encumbrance. You know, if you want to hold a grand piano around, then we need to talk. But, you know, if you, you know, if it's 60 arrows instead of 40, we've never really bothered. So mm. the other thing that I thought is, and, and I know there was a bit of twing and fraying about this on Twitter, and I, I, um, I ducked out of it after a little while, <laughs> was the, you know, I, I, I do think the style of the game would for me as a GM would make a difference. If I was playing a really gritty survival type, you know, apocalyptic mm. zombie type thing, I think resource mm. management would really add to the game. You know, you're looking for those bullets, you're looking for the when you're playing, you know, in a fantasy campaign where, you know, everyone and his dog can do cantrips and, and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Having to find a couple of gold pieces to buy a whetstone or whatever, it just it it doesn't seem worthwhile. It just just doesn't seem fun, I suppose. Whereas in, that, in, that, in that grittier campaign where where you 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 know resource management is keeping your character alive, yeah. I can see how that would be fun. I'm not sure I'd like to play it as a player, but I wouldn't mind running something like that. So I've had to go yeah. off and look for something that sort of fit what I thought would be a nice way to do it. And uh, I, I might be okay. the only one who's going to commit to a rule system at is the it, moment. Is it chess? No. It's not chess. And it's ah. a game I've never played. Um, I've only read a little bit of the rules about about the management <laughs> of this sort of thing. Um, but I've heard other people talk about it. And it took me a while to track okay. it. I couldn't remember what it was. And that's Mouse Guard. Ah, okay. and, and they have a system where, much like the Cthulhu one, and I might be slightly misrepresenting this because I did cram reading in about 20 minutes, um, you get a resource score, like a, it's like one of your ability scores, which you can uh-huh. get improve or, you know, it can go down. And if you want something, the GM decides how many resource points that would be. You roll a D6 for each resource point you've got. Every one, two, and three is a success. You beat the number, you've got it. You don't beat the mm-hmm. mod number, and it's up to the GM what the what the what the impact is that of that is. It could be just a little minus, you know. You didn't get your coffee. There's the example I think they use in the thing, so you feel a bit grouchy, so you get neg one to everything. Mm-hmm. And for me, that that style of not necessarily the mouse goblin, but that style of you know, you roll against something and and you've got it or you haven't. Yep. Um, with the caveat, and I think they might put the caveat. And if it's something real, well, no, I don't think they do. I think, sorry, my math's running away with me now. I think they do it with the you know the rating of how hard it is. You know, if you want something that's really sort of exotic or rare, then they would just get yeah. a very very hard target. Um, and of course, if you don't hit that target, then you're you're um, you know, you're, the impacts of that on your character should, I presume, be equally as harsh. Some some sort of cat-based intervention, maybe. Yeah, maybe, yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Jim, come on. I, was just saying, I think Knight's Black Agent's got, a, got the similar idea. I, I wrote it yeah. down. There's different mechanics that you could have around this, and and uh, one of that is that kind of in medias res test where you say, you know, you're, you're zooming along in the car, and did I remember my submachine gun? or the bombs in the boot or whatever, yeah. that, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, yeah. 
and that's got a mechanic for that. So you don't need to have all of the sort of overhead of, of planning, um, which, which having spent two hours on Monday night working out how we we're going to blow up a bridge, only to discover we were working with timers that we thought were 24 hours. And in fact, uh, it's a 12 hour mechanical clock. Um, we just had to come back at night. You know, you can, you can spend a lot of time around that. Um, yes, it's hilarious. Okay. One of the funniest okay. moments I've had in a game for ages uh, when we realised that. Um, but, you know, it's, it, if you want to expedite all of that stuff and just do it as you go along, that seemed a good mechanic to me. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, mouse, mouse guard, fun if, again, another one didn't come up. But I've, I have played it once, but we played it, I think it was Grogmeat, wasn't it, last year was uh, the, the sort of the evening before, the, the Friday before was a big, big mouse guard sort of tournament. I didn't play it before because I think, you know, in my usual sort of dismissive uh, uh, nature. I sort of saw mousters and thought, "Oh no, it's tunnels and trolls again." Uh, so, so sort of tunnels and trolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if if I have to explain it to you, then yeah, we may be. <laughs> there is absolutely nothing wrong with tunnels and trolls. I, I, I it's the spells. I, and it was about a quarter of the price of AD and D at the time, I believe. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, and and there was possibly a reason for that, but. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so, I, I think what you've, what you've just done, Dave, is you, you've offended Traveller ages ago and, yeah. and others, and now you've added uh, TNT it's, to the list. It's, working it's, your way through the old school, aren't you? Well, I'm, I'm not working my way through the alphabet, though. It's only things that begin with T. So uh, I, I can't think what's next. Talk. <laughs> yeah, the one thing. Yeah, that's next. Okay. So I, 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 two, oh, well, come on. <laughs> If, if you really want me to go to town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think, I think uh, that is uh, Mouse Guard. Uh, excellent mechanics, I think, from from the stuff that came through on, uh, and, and actually all three of you sort of hit on diff- different parts that other people have sort of fed in as well. I mean, there was some which was uh, TT Journeys, uh, at TT Journeys said, it prefers it as sort of a high level concept and you, you squeeze the players when you have to. So that very much comes to your your, your point, I think, Jim, about, uh, oh, sorry, Mark, about uh, is it important to the game? Um uh, Paul Fricker did did say, you know, it, it, he sort of thinks there's a bit more depth could be devoted to it. Uh, Neil, old scouser role playing, uh, again, it, barbarians of Lemuria just doesn't really track it at all. You have a certain amount. Of, you know, the idea is that you, well, but barbarians of Lemuria resource management is actually you do these heroic quests, get lots of treasure, and then you have to go and spend it on. Uh, on debauched activity. Uh, I, I have to say I, I misunderstood the, the purpose of the game because well, after our first heroic adventure and we had masses of treasure, uh, I wanted to uh, start a bank, <laughs> uh, which was neither heroic or epic, and uh, and I got thrown out of the game after that, which was nice. Uh, the other thing that you did say... Sorry, go on. Sorry, I was going to say, there's one other system that I was looking for. I don't know which system it oh, is. Yeah. Where where you got so many resource points at the beginning of a game or at the beginning of a session. So you get, I don't know, four points or four slots or whatever. And then when yeah. you wanted something, you use it to fill a slot. But I couldn't work out what system that was. So uh, yeah. but that's another nice so, idea, just as a general. Yeah. 
there I've, I've got all these open books and I'm now going to try and, and sort of uh, draw them. There, there are a few a few that actually bear out mention I, I was just going to come on, on to say that um the, the other point that Neil made was and particularly in reference to I think all, all of us playing on virtual tabletops he said one of the benefits of that is they take it all away from you you know that whole resource management the tracking side of things you know it's literally it's it's now possible for it to count arrows and count you know both lots and then obviously money and if you were to purchase things so uh, quite an interesting thing that technology takes all of that kind of granular manages that granularity it doesn't take it away necessarily dice mechanic phil he, he said uh, inv- inventory slots similar to, to what you're just talking about mark yeah. you know you have a certain number of slots and, and you put them in there torch bearer torch bearer Brother, he said uh, the game wasn't particularly brilliant, but the way they managed resources was was excellent. Uh, it, he has the, the drop on me there. I didn't know that one. Uh, and then again, you know, Jim McCarthy, JWM UK, uh, preferred a really loose looser approach. But you, that gumshoe mechanic you were talking about, I think, as well, was something he was interested in. There's a few. There were a few that, that sort of struck me as being quite interesting. Um, but I think the one that finally came out. I did look at Call of Cthulhu. Um, although I was looking in a slightly different direction to credit rating, I hadn't even uh, ridiculously hadn't even come up to me. Mutant Year Zero obviously is, is a is a, a free league publication, and therefore they kind of do similar things: resource management, dice, and so on. Uh, oddly enough, having just roundly uh, slagged it off, look what I got there: Deluxe Tunnels and Trolls, Secret Fan. Uh, I say Secret Fan. Uh, I'm lying, uh, and, uh, and 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 but quite the mechanic in, in tunnels and trolls was about uh, size and weight and strength being what you were capable of, how you be capable of managing resources in the sort of tactical environment, you know, physically carrying things. And there's some pretty decent uh, mechanics in there, uh, which is about weight possible and weight carried. But it was all getting a bit too too much for me at that stage. Uh, you'll be you'll be pleased to know I'm, I'm not going to talk about MERP. Uh, but I do have Rollmaster. Oh, I was going to volunteer uh, Space Master, in fact, because that <laughs> not only Ooh. the complexity, but also the traveller into making spaceships. Yeah. However, however, Series 2 is going to be about science fiction, so I'm going to keep that up my sleeve, <laughs> Space Master. And, and actually... Statistician uh, for that one. <laughs> yes, whatever that word is. Uh, but quite frankly, when it got into... Uh, uh, there were 18.16 weight penalties, 18.17 encumbered movement, 18.18 exhaustion. I just thought life is just too short. It really is too short. Uh, a game we played a lot recently, Spire, Spire and Heart, where yeah. uh, it's it, it, it's it's not it's not sort of loosey goosey because that's that's not fair. It's sort of it's sort of un, under under underestimates the the game. I think. Uh, but there, it's it's less about um, physical items and more about, you know, something that's appropriate to take the story forward. Which sounds a bit too abstract even for me. But you, you start off with equipment. You start off with uh, you know various skills and, and, and abilities and, and so on. And as you go through, there are if if you are taking the story forward by introducing items or trying to purchase items or barter items, as you talked about earlier on, Jim. Uh, I think it really works it nicely. And well, don't uh, they overall, use, doesn't Spire use uh, resources as almost like hit points? 
you know yeah. you can kind of take it's like financial damage as it were and you you, you kind of lose resources. stress yeah that's, absolutely that's, yeah yeah, that's yeah an stress way of doing it as well yeah it, it it is good because you and 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 it's a kind of is it an abstraction of the forbidden lands the free league system i don't know whether it is but but you do you take stress to certain things so mm. you know uh uh, a blunderbuss would give you D three stress, for example, and 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 actually then going and acquiring equipment also then gives you stress to your resources, or you simply can't get them, which is which is good, I think. Mm. I do like heart. I think it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic game, and I think it's often uh, uh, the mechanics of it are slightly more complicated than you think, but you're, you're really enjoying it while you're playing it, which is great. So my table's groaning under all of these books I've got here. <laughs> uh, but the, but the one I abs- absolutely I, I am going to go for. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to jump in and say right. I'm I'm putting my nomination out there now. It is Forbidden Lands because it it makes that sort of whole resource piece. Um, it brings it front and center into the game, but it does it in such a way that you have a different dice for each of the each of the sorts of. Uh, uh, I guess resources that you're trying to manage, and exactly as you're saying with mouse guard, it's a similar sort of mechanic. You roll it. If you fail the roll, you drop down a dice level, and when you drop down below a D4 dice level, well, you're out of resources, which can be extremely difficult if you can't forage or you can't make uh, find a way narratively of making new weapons, for example. Um, and, and I think you could apply that pretty easily to just about everything. Although I have to say, I've now got a hankering for the uh, credit rating bit. But anyway, so th- that's that's me. I'm going to shoot my bolt early. I'm going for Forbidden Lands as as my final choice. So if we come back to you, then uh, Wayne, you, yes, hello. You did talk about One Ring. You talked about Call of Cthulhu. You even had the temerity to mention the T word uh, on on this show. Uh, where you're going to go? Who do, who do you think is the the best exemplar of uh, resource management? Do you think? I I had um, I've actually got a, a, I've got a little list um, things like um, uh, the One Ring and Conan and even RuneQuest Glorantha, mm-hmm. um, simply because that's more to do with character creation. I hate shopping trips, and I mm. like that those games just go when you create your character, they go here's your gear, here, you know this this here's your gear, here's your weapon, you're done. Um, but I, I, I think my choice is going to be Call of Cthulhu because we're talking more broadly about resources. I like, whilst I like ab, like the far end of abstraction, I think Call of Cthulhu gives you the ability to either run it, you know, dollar for dollar if you want to, mm-hmm. um, or or shilling for shilling if you're yeah, playing in Britain, um, or you can easily abstract it, and and I think that's a the ability to do both without without being too complex convoluted i think is a nice balance so i think my my shout's going to be color cthulhu mm. good like that jim who uh who are you going to well, I've, I've got i just counted while while i was talking that's very interesting uh, i think i've got eight games on here um so I, <laughs> you're trying to rig the game now, aren't you? Just... No, I, no. Actually, uh, I decided that I would plump for the one that covered most of the five bases. Okay. That that, that I that I thought about, or, or the ideas I thought about in terms of resource management, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I, I sort of discounted encumbrance, uh, really. So I think the thing that does a bit of character generation uh, and you get your stuff mm-hmm. w- without too much messing, um, there's a bit of flavor there as well. It gives you the list of stuff that are interesting and amusing. And um, it, it adds something to the game mm-hmm. because of that, but also because of the character development that you can take over a long campaign if you want to do that. Yeah, um, you, you can sort of tweak it to to suit your style, I guess, and that's Pendragon. <gasps> so uh, that may be one of your uh, 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 triggers. I'm not sure, but but you, you've got a game here where you can hire under the entertainment uh, a composition of a heroic lay. You can hire a pirate ship with twenty men, no questions asked, <laughs> and, and you can, you know, over over winter, you can do all kinds of stuff. A bit like the idea of this. Uh, um, the, the the fellowship phase in the One Ring, although they, they probably got that from Pendragon, it wouldn't surprise me. And yeah. a lot, I think a lot of games have got that concept from from uh, Pendragon. So that's that's a sort of uh, ancestor of that. Maybe I'm sure somebody will correct me and say it was really Prince Valiant. But um, uh, so I, I'm pumping for Pendragon because it touches as, as many things as I could think of around resource management with some humour and some development and something you can add to the game. I, I actually don't have any uh, anything against Pendragon at all, other than a complete uh, lack of familiarity with it. Really, that's not strictly speaking true, but um, I, I, it's it's kind of a running joke between um, uh, Sam mm. uh, Sam Vale, with whom we play games. He absolutely loves Pendragon, and and actually, to sort of bear out your uh, the idea of resource management. Uh, for Pendragon being something that could be used for lots of different systems and indeed timescales. He does a uh, an espionage version, a modern-day espionage mm. version of Pendragon. So, and, and I don't think he sort of you know, cuts the rules back too much other than I'm not sure they wear suits of armour. That's That probably is going to be a bit of a giveaway, I would have thought, in modern times. But uh, so other than Pendragon... He will be so happy because he thinks I've got it in, you know, in for him with Pendragon. And I don't at all. Pendragon, like it. Uh, Mark, um, we're coming to you for your uh, your final recommendation because you talked about several. Mouse Guard being the one that you, uh, you yeah. sort of said. Have you changed your mind in the intervening 10 minutes or are you going to? No, no. It's, it's, it's what I found that's sort of closest fit. <laughs> what I thought was a was a was a good way of doing it, and and you know I do like the way they do it. I'm not saying it's 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 the best I could find on a short notice because I do like it. It wasn't quite what I was looking for, but it does it really well, and I I, I, I you know I think it's a good good way of managing it. Yeah, it is. It is okay. So uh, we need to some somehow sort of it, it feels like we possibly haven't. Uh, spent as much time on it as we ought to have done because as you said there's so many elements to it but i think if, if you're looking at so that we've got to think about a system of course we do have other bits and pieces that will, that will feed into this so uh character generation obviously is is basic role playing or, or in fact was called the call of cthulhu system that we looked at uh, we haven't looked at things like money and, and and stuff yet so whether that would have any effect at all i don't know but okay so uh the uh the candidates then are Call of Cthulhu, uh, very good. Pendragon, also very good. Like the idea of uh, being able to buy a, a galley uh, secondhand. One careful lady owner. 
Uh, mouse guard. Always need a little bit of animal action in there somewhere, so that's good. And then I've gone with uh, with uh, Forbidden Lands. Forbidden Lands, mainly because you're laughing. Jim, we're going to come to you first, which uh, you can't vote for Pendragon, I'm afraid. So what's it no, going to be? No, I, I can't. And, and I don't know really anything about Forbidden Lands. Um, I, I think Mouse Guard sounds uh, a, a little bit simplistic, perhaps, for my taste. I've certainly got players that, that, that like to look for stuff, maybe do the occasional shopping trip. Um, but but more especially like character development um, and, and and maybe that backstory project type stuff. So I think the nearest that comes to it, as far as I know, uh, is Cthulhu. And I like the idea of the credit rating. Um, I, I think that that's, that's a good call. So I'm going to go for Call of Cthulhu. Mm. Okay, Wayne, so uh, since you started this all off, you have to vote now. You cannot obviously vote for Call of Cthulhu. Okay. It's a devilish um, mechanic, but you know, there we go. Yeah, well, so Pendragon, um, Mouse Guard, Forbidden Lands. What do you think? Well, I don't know Forbidden Lands at all, uh, unfortunately. Jim made uh, Jim made a great case for for um, Pendragon, but I think I think it, it, I think it'll be Mouse Guard. Mm. Mouse Guard. Ah, I'm back. You're back. Good. Oh, sorry about that. That's okay. No, 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 it's absolutely fine. Don't worry. Ah, I, I'm not sure that. where I where I got to. Um, I was. You said was, mouse guard. Yes. Um, <laughs> I think uh, you said mouse guard is not the one I'm going to choose. I'm going to vote for <laughs> Pendragon. I think that's what you said. Oh, you made, you made a strong case for Pendragon, um, but I, I think I'll go for mouse guard because um, whilst I I. I know I said I, uh, the the balance appealed to me in Call of Cthulhu. I do like abstracted resource systems, and and I adore Mouse Guard to tiny little pieces as well. So, yeah. uh, um, you know, yeah, I think Mouse Guard. Mouse Guard. Okay. Good. And uh, I have to say, even though it's only a very sort of brief uh, a brief shot at it, I, I I I did enjoy it as well. Okay, Mark. So. Uh, we have one one vote for your mouse guard. We have one vote for Call of Cthulhu as well, which is Wayne's suggestion. You cannot vote for mouse guard. So it's Call of Cthulhu, Pendragon, or Forbidden Lands. What would you like to... Uh, so do? I played Pendragon for about six or eight months, weekly, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but... But I didn't <laughs> quite enjoy the micromanagement of sort of that mm. winter season and all that. I got it. It was really clever. And a lot of the other players really enjoyed it. But I found that that night we did that very, very long. <laughs> so um, I think it's a great, if you like that sort of thing, I think it's brilliant. I do think it's really good, but it's just not for me. You uh, you did you didn't buy you didn't buy one of those dodgy galleys or left hand. No, no, the or... night wouldn't have been that long, would it be 20 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> And, and, and much like Wayne, I've, I've Forbidden Lands, I've not really come across. And it I, it sounds good, but I have played a bit of Call of Cthulhu and I do like the way that works. Mm. Um, and although it's not quite fair, I like the way that almost every aspect of the Call of Cthulhu rules all use the same basic mechanic. You've not got like some systems, like different mechanics for different parts of the game. So I think mm. I've got to go for Call of Cthulhu. Right. Okay, 
again, inevitably, it comes down to this sort of, you know, the judgment of Solomon. I, I can't clearly vote for, 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 for forbidden lands, but then nobody else has. So uh, I'm, it feels like I'm consigning free league games to, to the bin. And it's really good. They're really, really good games. Uh, Forbidden Lands is rather deadly, though, having said that. Uh, Mouse Guard. Did enjoy Mouse Guard. I... We didn't obviously go for... The, uh, did we go for the... Uh, I can't remember whether we used anything to do with sort of the resources, but there would have been physical resources rather than anything else. And I think it was only probably what kind of equipment that you had on you as opposed to, you know, you had to complete a number of tasks. Pendragon. Uh, I, I, I do like Pendragon. Funny enough, actually, I haven't got to that wintering bit... So I haven't been through the pain that you have, Mark. Uh, and I've, I've rather fancy, I rather fancy going down to the Spiv Market now. If I'm absolutely honest, <laughs> uh, so almost out of perversity, I ought to say Pendragon. But unfortunately, my vote, and and indeed probably my heart, secretly lies uh, with Call of Cthulhu. So, uh, and and remiss of me, hugely remiss of me, not to think more broadly about credit rating as being a a really good abst- abstraction. I think the, the only sort of alternative systems that you, you who really, really do go down the mine, aftermath or aftermath, depending on where you where you are in the country, is uh, is one that you know, apart from just being bonkers anyway. It's it's that really is about you know how many sort of dum dum bullets have you got versus whatever other kind of bullet there are. Uh, for any game that has a shark hit location table, uh, it's got to be it's got to be reasonably serious about resource management. But I, I am I am voting for Call of Cthulhu, Wayne. Uh, the uh, Frankenstein's role playing game um, resource management tool uh, tools come from uh, Call of Cthulhu. Well done, well, thank you. Good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can I can already feel the clouds of hate gathering in the background. <laughs> there were there were there were some other things, and actually, funny enough, and uh, uh, at one stage, uh, Callum, and I'm sure Callum will at some stage come on, uh, who is uh, runs the Roll East uh, podcast. He has written a game which is about inventory management. It's Paris Paris Gondo Paris, Paris Gondo. He would probably say in his in his beautiful sort of French accent, but. Um, it's all about uh, 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 inventory management. And actually, if you do get the chance, you should have a look for it. Paris Gondo, uh, inventory management, the art of inventory management. It's a it great sounds, game. It sounds fascinating. Are you looking for a D&D podcast with the dark side? Something more like Game of Thrones and less like Monty Python? Tale of the Manticore is part dark fantasy audio drama, part solo D&D RPG. There's no plot armor here. The dice make all the important decisions. Join me as I resurrect the excitement, wonder, and emotion of old-school D&D. Made for a mature audience, Tale of the Manticore is both a fiction and a game. It's the story where chaos rolls. We can start looking at uh, at uh, one of the, the core planks of any uh, role-playing game which is about the the outcomes of combat. Now, uh, when we were sort of talking about this, it is uh, interesting enough, we we didn't cover it 
much within the sort of character generation piece, which you thought we might have maybe had a, a quick sort of diversion into that. It has been a topic where uh, it's kind of we, we have touched on it a couple of in a couple of episodes. So combat, we talked about uh, a couple of games, Vikinger, for example, which is uh, slightly abstracts the, the the wound concept as well. Um, and obviously, the, the biggest sort of uh, division amongst most of the people who've, who've sort of taken the time to, uh, to to communicate with us has been really around hit points, you know, and and that sort of Dungeons and Dragons mechanic of you have this many hit points and so on. So I guess hit points damage. I, I guess how how Jim, I'll come to you first. How do you sort of you know how do you sort of view it? Is it again? Is it something you like the granular nature of? Do you like it? And every inquest obviously a big one for you, but is is that where your your sort of heart lies, or are you more for pools of of uh, of hit points? Um, I, I don't. I, I still don't quite get the hit points advances. You do levels, but maybe that's an argument about whether it should be levels or not. Um, I, I I think having a set of hit points and taking chunks off it is is simpler. Um, yeah. And I, I, I have played something that has absolutely no hit points at all. Uh, so it's just about the outcomes of, of a contest. And although it's, it's interesting, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I prefer the grit of, of knowing your character could, could be dying. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm for a, uh, hit points, but just have one set of them and that's what you've got. And, and it okay. could be, you know, you could get more or less depending on, what the flavour of your game is, whether it's about how tough you are, what, what race it is, or or even class. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, just, just have one set of hit points to be done with it, and, and that's it. But but I would say that hit locations are a good thing, and and that does speak to it. But, <laughs> so, um, sorry, that, you, you that, obviously you know where I'm going with this by now. But, no, no, no. Um, I, I just I just thought that that sort of sounded like a self help group type thing. Yeah, hit locations are really good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, they are, they are, and I've got this this spare arm to prove it. Um, I, I I didn't think about this until I uh, was fortunate enough to run a game at a convention where nobody played the the game system at all before, and they'd played a lot of D and D, um, and they they hadn't played RuneQuest, and and I said, you know, what, what did you think was different? What what, uh, what was really good? And they actually said the hit locations. We loved it. Yeah, you know, we didn't have to worry so much about the rating outcomes of, of what happens when a hit and sword. It, mm-hmm. it slightly made its own story. Um, so all jokes about you know sharks uh, hit location tables aside, I, yeah. I think it's a good thing. And, and actually, especially when you've got a system where your hit points don't go up, it does actually give you a survivability. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as Jeremy will will contest the. Or, or, uh, you know, he keeps coming back from adventures minus an arm, but at least the rest of it comes back. Um, okay. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, it can save people too. Um, but but I, I think the writing its own story element does for me. I wonder whether you could sort of combine uh, the resource management of Pendragon with, uh, with RuneQuest and you could uh, have a series of dodgy left legs uh, for sale. On the Spiv market, yeah, you could. it yeah, would down the Solana Roy Temple makes its money. Listen, Spiv's prosthetics. If if only we'd voted for Pendragon uh, in the last. Bit. 
Okay. So it, in, in terms of this sort of overall piece about uh, recording damage through combat or, or, or through you know, circumstances or something happening to you, accidents as a uh, hit location and and the next part of that is hit points in those locations but a finite amount is what you you sort of think it feels yeah a fixed amount um and then you've got a certain amount in the locations however you want to to do that okay. um and and that's a lot in life I, I've, I have to say, I've found every time we've done that, and uh, oddly enough, another game we just talked about with Aftermath, Aftermath, uh, the post-apocalyptic game. It, it's a bit like I'm not, don't don't worry, I'm not going to say Merp in this one either, uh, but it is a bit like those critical hit tables. You know, when you get the rolling for the location, it's that sort of mm. uh, you know the, the slightly random. And slightly sort of, uh, uh, you know, excitement building. I think is uh, it is, is interesting. Uh, you know, location tables. Yeah, and, and you know, the GM rolls a critical hit, and yep. you're there, you know, with the brown stuff colliding with the air conditioning, thinking, please don't let it be the head, let it be my left arm again. <laughs> Uh, so that's you know that you, you get an extra element to it. I think it's quite not the face, not the face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Good. Okay, I think we probably. I, I'm. I, I might stick my neck out in a minute and say I think I know where you may be going, Mark. So, uh, what so, uh, what's your feeling about? Yeah, it's, it's that recording of that. What what do you you instinctively feel most comfortable with? Yeah, this is a massive topic. That this is the one that I can really get my teeth into. So I think we should devote at least twenty minutes to. <laughs> okay, I'll mute so, you. Carry on. <laughs> so yeah, when when I was thinking about this, um, I mean, I've played. I know your your one of your favourites is Merp. I played yeah. Rollmaster in the past, so you've got those two extremes of role master where you've got your hit points but then you've got all your criticals yeah. which are a lot more varied and severe than they are in merp um, <laughs> and, and arguably much funnier um yeah. and that's great i think for a one shot or something i think for a sort of campaign play it's it's too deadly it's t- and too random as well you know your first level character can literally roll an open-ended roll roll 300 and and kill someone with a single shot who, yeah. who um you know well you could kill sauron with a lucky shot really um yep and and the the irony of that statement is and uh, forgive me for interrupting you but in a recent merp merp campaign that we're running exactly that happened you know 10th level sorcerer is waiting there to sort of ambush the entire party and i'm sort of rubbing my hands together as the gm goes this is brilliant we can i'm gonna wipe them out you know uh, and uh this, this will be this will be fun all the payback for having killed everything else one arrow to her head killed stone dead well 278 unbelievable so uh, the, the, talk about you know, building up the tension I'd, I'd got these sort of you know fires i'd got you know all manner of effects on the VTT. I've got circular tornadoes of energy going off all over the place. One arrow, one shot, dead. So I may be revising my idea of Merp <laughs> as a combat system, by the way. And I can't anyway, sorry, remember, I beg no, that's all right. I can't remember if the Merp crit tables are similar to the Rollmaster ones, in that the Rollmaster ones, the higher you roll, again, it's an open-ended roll, the higher yeah. you roll, the more deadly they are, with the exception that 66 is death. <laughs> that's it. So we've got like slap bang in the middle, you roll a 66 with that exploding dice and all that, and they're dead, and that's it. Um, why, why, why 66? I, I don't know. 
<laughs> no idea. It's, it's not. It's like two thirds of the number of the beast. Yeah. It's, it's the number of the bees. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Okay, sorry. Go on. So, so you, you might be getting the flavour that I do quite like the the grittiness of combat. <laughs> so yeah. the, the next system that I looked at, what well, I've played a lot recently, as, as you may know if you've heard any of the podcast, is, is Champions or Hero System, whatever you prefer. Yeah. Mm. It's a very complex system. If you know the system well, it's all D6. The mechanics are fairly straightforward. It's the layering element of skills on skills on skills on modifiers on bonuses that can make it mathematical <laughs> nightmare, which is why we played it in Roll20 with lots of macros. Um, <laughs> but I do like the idea that you have these two pools of, of hits, for want of a better word. You've got stun, which is sort yeah. of concussion-type damage, and then you've got body, which is sort of stuff that kills you. Um, yep. And I like that idea, but again because there's so much so many elements to play with it can get really complex really quick mm-hmm. and you lose track and then you end up hand waving it and you may as well just be using hit points mm-hmm. so i'm going to plumb for the system that we're currently using which is savage worlds mm-hmm. and that's savage worlds adventurer edition which i think is the most recent one okay and the way that works is is that you have two types of beings in the world, monsters included. Uh, you have wild cards and everyone else. And wild cards get three wounds. Everyone else gets one wound. And when you roll to hit, you, you do your damage. It's exploding dice. Uh-huh. And then you remove a, t- a toughness ability from that total. And what you're left with, you compare that number to, well, you don't really need a table, but there is a table. So naught to three means you've you've hit them, but you haven't really done any damage, but you've shaken them. So they they can move around still, but they can't attack any longer. So they get some conditions or something. Yeah, four to seven, you do a wound, which will effectively take out a normal person, and they become incapacitated. And then Mm -hmm. eight to 11 is two wounds. So it's an increments of, of four. Yeah. Um, so obviously that makes the player characters a lot more durable without lots of convolute, sorry, like D&D where, you know, you've got hundreds and hundreds of hit points and that sort of thing. Um, and I, I really like that system. It's fast. It's really mathematically quick to work out, but it yeah. gives a certain level of, of, of grittiness, as it were. Yeah. And when someone hits the incapacitated level, then there's another little table you get to roll on. <laughs> <laughs> It's, and, it's no surprise you've been invited on here, really, is it? <laughs> and it is, well, let's say a little table. It's, a table's far too grand for it. You roll against your vigour, which is the equivalent of your constitution or whatever. If you okay. fail, you're dead. That's it. If Ooh. you succeed, you are still incapacitated. You roll okay. on a wounds table, which isn't very big. I think there's only about 12 options or so. Um, mm-hmm. And you keep that wound... Well, I'm going to misremember this terribly. Uh, you keep that wound. I did write this down. <laughs> I can't remember if you keep that one permanently. For a while. Yeah. That may be permanent, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we got we got failure, success, success with a raise. Oh, no, let me start again. I'm really sorry. If you critical fail, you're dead. If you fail, okay. you get re-roll on the wounds table, and that's a permanent wound. And they tend to be uh, your minuses, but you can lose a limb and that sort of thing. Um, Jim, Jim, did you hear that? Yeah, you I did. Lose a limb. Um, if you succeed with a raise, which is where you make it by an additional four points, you 
get one of these wounds, but it only lasts 24 hours. Okay. That, that's it. But, your, so, but if, if, if you are a wild card, as in, I'm assuming that's a PC um, or, or a significant sort of yeah, player in the game. NPC, yeah. Okay, and 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 so that you could you could potentially go through that process three times because you you have the capacity to have three wounds. Is that right? Or? No, as you take the wounds, you only have to go through that process when you become incapacitated. So that's when you drop. Okay. You've taken three wounds and then been hit again. And there is a little factor around bleeding out and stuff, but I'm not okay. going into that. It just slightly complicates it. And I can't remember it off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so I like it because it gives that sort of yeah. grittiness of that you can end up with a permanent injury that will have an impact on your character or okay. an injury that's long-term that will take healing because healing is quite hard in it if you don't have someone with magic to do it. Yeah. Um, so it could take, you know, weeks to heal that wound. So you could be at a disadvantage for weeks. And so I like that. It gives a sort of level of grittiness without it being complex. Okay. Uh, I can see, I can see, <laughs> I, I can see the benefits of this. I'm just trying to think now how the heck you knit it together with the, the combat <laughs> system for Middle Earth role playing now. But I think you could do it somehow. Yeah, take a. I wonder if. Uh, yeah, replace that little table I've got with the crit table from Earth. <laughs> I wonder if P- Professor Brian Cox is doing anything this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you could rope him in. Okay, Wayne. Hello. What's uh, what's your view on sort of damage, hit points? Um, well, how do we go? I mean, I've I've got nothing against um, standard sort of D and D hit points. They they I play a lot of D and D. They work absolutely fine. But I do like a system that um, as you take damage, it affects your ability to perform. Okay. Uh, and um, I'm a big big fan of fate. Um, fate accelerated and okay. i quite like i quite like um i, I really you know the, the way that works is you've got a certain amount of slots that'll take numerical damage and then you've got a certain amount of slots where you start putting in descriptors like twisted ankles and slash that slashes and bleeding and and then that can be used by the gm to really mess your day up um okay. but that's that's kind of the other end of the of the the spectrum, really, from just the just the pool of hit points. Um, yeah. And there are several that are more in the middle, which appeal to me more. And I I, um, uh, I I do have to give an honourable mention to possibly the first game that did this, but it's Classic Traveller. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, uh, 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 you the Traveller fanboys. Okay, so. <laughs> And that's essentially, as you take damage, you lose points off your strength, your dexterity, and your endurance, your three um, physical stats. And and as each one lowers, it, you get sort of weaker. You're less able to – you've got fewer swings you can make in combat. You're, mm-hmm. It's harder to hit with a rifle. Really like that. Um, but the the way they do it is is it, it gets you, – you, you're constantly cross-referencing about five or six different weapon tables, which gets a bit uh, crazy. Um, so in more modern terms, a simpler way of doing it, something like Star Wars Saga, which was the prototype of uh, fourth edition, and we love fourth edition. <laughs> Every, yeah, Twitter always, doesn't, but we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't say anything. Um, so the way they do it is you have a damage threshold. Uh, this is Star Wars Saga now. 
I don't, they didn't carry this across the fourth edition, but, um, and if you, if you take damage exceeding that damage threshold, um, okay. but it doesn't reduce you to zero hit points, then you move up, move down on this, on the condition track. And so that starts giving you negative modifiers and, you know, different things happening to you. And that kind of um, affects your performance. Um, and then more simply, um, oh, I was going to mention Savage Worlds as well. Mark's really covered that quite well already, where, um, yeah. you know, you every time you take a wound, you, you're accumulating negative modifiers to your ability to, to um, perform tasks. Um, yep. And you also get, you also, the first thing you do is get stunned, um, which stops you doing anything except free actions until you can shake it off. Um, and that's quite nice. You know, again, really simple system, but does have a really meaningful, the damage has a meaningful impact on your ability to yeah. perform. Yeah, thanks um, for that way enough. I missed off the minus one per wound. <laughs> yes. <sorry. laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The only other one I uh, I, I will mention is 2D20, um, which uh, Star Ooh. Trek, Conan, several others, um, which, um, and the way they do it is similar to um, uh, Savage Worlds and Saga in that you have, um, that's right, you can you can take take a certain amount of damage up to a sort of a your threshold, your stress rating or something. And if you take more than that, then you get an injury. In in Conan, it's called a harm. In mm -hmm. Star Trek, it's called an injury. Now, um, with Star Trek, it's pretty lethal. You take one injury. If it's from a lethal weapon, then you die at the end of the scene, I think, unless you get sort of tricorded by Dr. Crusher or something. With Conan, you can take five harms, um, up to five harms before you die or you're seriously incapacitated. I think at four, you're unconscious and five, you're, you're, you're seriously unconscious or something. Um, <laughs> and after, unconscious after that, or very that, unconscious. Yeah. After that, you're dead. But also, I mean, Conan and um, Fate as well uh, have mental tracks. So you can take physical and mental damage too. But um, okay, so uh, narrowing all that down, Mm. I I really like that kind of threshold thing. I think Mark's pretty um, as as um, uh, waved the banner for Savage Worlds. So I think I think um, something like two D twenty. And I, I, if I were going to pick one, I'd name Conan. I think of the of of the Conan and Star Trek. Um, I, I like that system. Those systems. How do you? Because I think I might know the answer to this because I heard somebody talking about the Conan game. But, but how do you avoid that that death spiral um, where you know the, the character starts going downhill and you've got um, uh, the, the situation where you've got so many negative modifiers in whatever okay. way it's expressed in the game that, that you can't actually kill the big bad thing at the at the end with your last blow or whatever it is. But Fate and Savage Worlds and uh, the 2D20 all have uh, in-game currencies. Fate's got Fate points, Savage World has bennies, and 2D20 has momentum, um, which you build up from doing from being awesome, essentially. And you can spend those to kind of overcome those disabilities. Um, so you do have that get-out. Um, it's a finite resource, um, unless you've built up a huge amount. But yeah, you can overcome... Uh, the the negative aspects using those kind of those story modifying kind of points so it's not it's not a, a like a, a linear death spiral you can kind of break out of it and there are ways of shaking off these like savage wolves you can actually 
Um, you can spend bennies to avoid the effects of wounds or even avoid wounds, actually. Um, and you can kind of, if you get shaken, you can shake it off as well by making a vigor roll. Um, so there are ways out there. It's not, it's not just you constantly getting worse and worse. I mean, a, a game, any game worth its salt, if it's going to include a death spiral, will kind of account for that in the kind of level, the amount of damage that's being done to you anyway, I think. so. Or give you the ability to fail forward, of course, which we've yeah. rejected out of hand. Funny enough, the number of games that you, you talked about there that feature a lot. 2D20, of course, we've got the initiative system from 2D20, uh, which will be influenced. Uh, I think it, it has, is in part influenced by that sort of uh, fate points or, or story points. I'm getting a bit confused because I've been reading a lot of Coriolis recently and they use darkness points for the GM. And it is, I think it might be fate points. Some of that, or hero points is the other thing you have in, is, it in, is that in Conan? Is hero points? It's all merging into one. <laughs> I'm creating a game in my head almost <laughs> almost daily. But 2D20, we, we have taken it. And, and the odd thing Jeez, is... You should maybe do a podcast about that. <laughs> <laughs> Things in my head. It's it's funny because the, we, what we've also discussed or been mentioned in the past is that 2D20 system, it's a fantastic system, but the way in the, in the actual rule books they describe it it's so difficult and you have to really sort of work through it. But it is one of those games, you learn it by playing it. And, and you learn it by playing it with somebody who's cleverer than me, who, <laughs> who actually knows what it is you can and can't do. And I've just got, I've just uh, taken delivery of uh, the Dune uh, oh. role-playing game, which of course is 2D. And, uh, oh, that's, that's one, you know, when we do come on to sci-fi, we may as well just say it's Dune every week. It'll be my merp, you know. Oh, um, sorry. Space Master will be my merp. This will be my liminal or something like that. So, but 2D20, I think you're right. I think 2D20 comes out with some some really, really slick mechanics that you only appreciate when you play the game. You know, if you say, as, you, as you've just, you've actually done an extremely good job of, of describing it, but it's one of those where you sort of say this thing to people and they get to look at you like you're completely mad and then all of a sudden you play it and you just see it going. Absolutely fantastic. So, yeah, 2D20. Jim, we haven't uh, come back to you yet to ask exactly what it was you were going to uh, to nominate, but after three, we can all say <laughs> one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. yeah there we go. <laughs> well, you see, I, I, I should have said it under combat, really, quite honestly, shouldn't I? Um, but uh, I, was, I was trying to be good. Uh, so I just thought I'd nail my colours straight to the mast. And so, uh, yeah, let's, let's have some kind of... Uh, old school level of hit points and let's have locations and be done with it. Something else I'll say for Conan too is uh, <laughs> it, it does have hit locations and it, it, it you can actually buy a custom two, uh, custom D20 with the hit locations written on, uh, which is fabulous. <laughs> I, I do <laughs> not, like I do like a revenue earner. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do like hit locations myself. Kind of yeah. It's the dice weighted towards the left leg. <laughs> as it is in RuneQuest, yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, it, it, you know, hit locations. If, if you want to, if you if you want to really fanboy out about hit locations, you, uh, aftermath, aftermath. I've said it again. Go and have a look. Okay, so uh, me now. I was going to suggest several actually. One which I sort of thought, uh, and again, played it recently. Uh, elements of this game that I like and don't like. Dragon Warriors. Played it quite a bit. 
can't stand the fact that it's standard damage, although actually it, it kind of really does make sense once you get once you're sort of working through it. Uh, it does have hit points, but hit points you can uh, the maximum they go up is by one per level, and there's no levels beyond ten. Uh, quite frankly, if you're playing one of my games, you're lucky to get to level two. So uh, well done. Uh, uh, Coriolis again, uh, free league. I think I think they do lots of things really well. The damage systems in those, uh, you know, I do love. Uh, I'm I've been reading. Uh, I've been on a bit of a sort of a samurai trip recently. Bushido, another FGU game. Um, and uh, Legend of the Five Rings, and again, you know, sort of interpretive dice thing. I love all of those, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna pay a bit of a, a left field one. Uh, and I thought you were going to talk about it actually, Mark, when you when you mentioned champions. I I really like Golden Heroes. I like Golden Heroes because it has hits to kill and hits to concuss. And and the way you sort of spread damage is dependent on what attack has been sort of meted out on you. So you can you have the ability to, and the, I think the reason why I'm really proposing it, and uh, I don't know whether it will fly or not, but uh, one of the reasons why I'm really proposing it is that you have the opportunity to sort of pass out before you die. I'm happy to consider a hit location table, by the way, Jim. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't, wouldn't have it in there. Uh, but, it, but it was the idea that if you go down to zero... You you can either be unconscious, uh, or, or if you go hits to kill, that's it. Good night, Vienna. You're dead. But it allows you that get out of saying, okay, you've taken such a serious wound that you've passed out, and you still you know maintain that momentum of that, of that character. And even as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, do you know what? I probably should have said, I probably should have said Dragon Warriors, because it's a finite pool of uh, <laughs> it's a finite pool of of hit points, and it's easy. I'm stuck now. I've, I've hoisted myself on my own petard. Do you know what? I'm going to stick with my vision. Uh, no, I, I, I'll, I'll, is there a hit location for... Uh, for the, I'm going to go with Golden Heroes. I do like it. Hits to kill, hits to concuss. And you can therefore sort of manage combat, I think, a little bit better. Uh, but it's a finite amount. Uh, it's, it's not my finest moment. I'm, I'm, I'm honest... It, it, it's an episode where I haven't said merp to anything. Uh, and I'm now feeling a little bit disappointed in myself. Mm. But I'm definitely going with Golden Heroes. Hits to kill, hits to concuss. Uh, I, I think it's quite an elegant way. And Golden Heroes has appeared on several several occasions as well. RuneQuest, I have a feeling this may be the only time RuneQuest has made it to a vote. I know. Well, as I say, I should have, I should have plumped around the combat, really. Yeah. Honourable yeah. Mentions. Honourable mentions, Storage Bod, somebody who you might know quite well, at Storage Bod. Uh, he, he said, you know, RuneQuest's approach to hit points is good. It's a finite resource, manage it, which is good. Uh, as we talked earlier on at, at JWM UK, uh, hit points, but uh, it, it, the hit point uh, total as hit protection and below that, you get incapacitated. Now, I wasn't sure whether that removed totally this sort of long slog of D10 of damage. Oh, I've lost four off my 87 hit points, you know. And I'm only sh- and I only think that hit points become a problem at high level. There you go. Con- controversial take there. But we haven't gone with hit points. We haven't gone with Dungeons of Dragons at all for that. 
Uh, okay, so we're going to move towards uh, some sort of vote then. And we have covered, covered some pretty decent decent games there, actually. Classic Traveller. And, and funny enough, actually, if it hadn't been for the fact that I was uh, humming and hawing over Dragon Warriors or Golden Heroes, I, I may well have been swayed by Classic Traveller. I hate myself for saying it, obviously, but uh, I do like the idea that actually it, there, there is an impact on the character of damage other than this sort of arbitrary number in the corner. You know, it does come off strength decks and yeah, it really does make sense. It's one of the things I think they've done really well. Uh, fourth edition again, Star Wars Saga and the old D6 Star Wars as well as one that keeps getting I can't remember how they dealt with damage. What was, can you remember? Oh, was good that point. A, that had, that had a sort of a stun thing as well. It's yeah, yeah. I'm blanking no. on that one. No, me too. I'm afraid. So apologies, Star Wars fans, but we can cover it off in the sci-fi series too. And fate, fate often gets a, a mentioned along with Powered by the Apocalypse is always very, very sort of popular on Twitter. Um, and I'm never quite sure whether whether uh, I've really understood those those two games, but the fate accelerated accelerated bit about the ability to perform, I think, is is a great mechanic and and reflected within Savage Worlds, certainly within uh, 2D20 Conan and obviously RuneQuest. So we will move to a vote. Right, we have the choices then, and I'm going to come to uh, to Wayne first on this. Uh, Mark has suggested Savage Worlds, and are we being specific by saying Savage Worlds Adventurer? Adventure, yes, Adventure. Adventure. Uh, Suede is the uh, Suede, yeah. uh, yes, only because I'm not familiar with it with the older editions, so I don't okay. know if they did work the same way. Okay, uh, Jim with Rune Quest hit locations, yep. hit points. Mm. Wayne, uh, you cannot vote for 2d20, Conan in particular, okay, or or Golden Heroes is, is the final choice that you have to make, yeah, okay. Um, I, I do. I, I have a soft spot for um, for the, um, the fact that you can have um, d- different types of armor in different locations in RuneQuest, where um, uh, you know, so that the, the hit locations actually have a meaningful impact. However, um, my I Savage Worlds was actually going to be my nomination because Mark. Um, because Mark uh, uh, covered it so comprehensively in his uh, his turn, I, I kind of switched to two D twenties. So um, uh, it's it's that kind of abstraction in wounds and, and the kind of meaningful impact on on your ability to perform. I think so. My vote will go to Savage Worlds. Good. You you, you are of course aware that we do have a, a system similar to VAR uh, in this. If there has been any collusion. Uh, we will reverse the decision at a later date, arbitrarily. I, I will be getting rulers out. Listen, take this very seriously, this voting <laughs> nonsense. Uh, Mark, I'm going to come to you next. You Obviously, you cannot vote uh, for Savage Worlds Adventure Suede. Uh, RuneQuest, 2D20 Conan, Golden Heroes. What's I think be? you've come to me next to highlight the collusion that me and Wade have been doing in the background. <laughs> so, and I really, I'm, Jim, sorry, obviously, this is the first time we've really met properly, uh, and I really feel like I'm picking on you, but I can't choose RuneQuest. I've played RuneQuest in the past, and I did really enjoy it, 
But the only thing that I remember with playing RuneQuest were two real things. One, this is a cheap version of Rollmaster. And two, <laughs> there's too many Walt Disney Stop characters fired. here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I'm going to get so scorched oh. on Twitter for yeah. oh. that's, no, that's, that's Traveller fans and RuneQuest fans and what was the other one you dismissed oh Tunnels and Trolls yeah so at this, at this stage I, I have to, to I, I have to distance myself from this. <laughs> I, I, I did not I did not slag off RuneQuest okay just Tunnels and Trolls and Traveller <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like yeah. Tunnels and Trolls yeah. um <laughs> I do like the idea. I've never played Golden Heroes. Well, actually, I, I lie. I think when I was about 14 or 15, I might have played one or two sessions. Um, I do like how that sounds. Mm. Um, and again, I've not played 2D20 either. But I do like the idea of having that threshold thing where you, you know, you take so much, well, you know, you hit a point, you go over a threshold and you take a negative. Um not playing either is a tough call, but I think, mm. and this is why I really feel like me and Wade have been colluding. And I, don't think, I don't think I've ever even spoke to Wade on Twitter. Um, but I'll take part of you later. 2D20. 2D20. Yeah. Is that some sort of secret Masonic handshake signal there? Was it? It's extraordinary. Might Voting for each other's. It, of course, this, what this does mean is it might let golden heroes in by the back door, depending on what Jim <laughs> says now, how, how upset he's been. So, Jim, you cannot vote for RuneQuest, but we do have Savage World's Adventure, which is uh, Mark's uh, very eloquently... Uh, yeah, let's face it, I've, I've, I've ruined that now, haven't I? <laughs> it's a very eloquent argument that you're simply not going to vote for now. Uh, 2D20 Conan. And uh, Golden Heroes uh, were the three uh, choices you have to make. Yeah, the the, the death versus stun sort of thing sounds interesting, but um, I guess that's something that's kind of set up for superhero play. And, you know, the way you see things, uh, or superheroes generally sort of keep reincarnating, uh, coming mm. back from the dead, despite the fact you think you've, you, you've killed them in that cinematic way, which I'm sure is great. But um, that, that, shall we say, appeals less. Um, and, and, and actually, because I've got the memory of a kind of geriatric goldfish, I'd forgot it was uh, earlier on in one of the previous uh, episodes where we discussed Conan 2D20. Was it around initiative? It was, yeah, the initiative yeah. Uh, system, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's maybe where we had the discussion about the avoidance of the death spiral or something. I, I can't quite remember, yeah. or that's something else I'd listened to. So um, I, I think I'm going to go with that because it, it has hit points. Um, it's got uh, a hit location table, more importantly, uh, <laughs> I, I think. Um, and, and if we're using it elsewhere in the system, um, mm -hmm. you, you never know. There might actually be something that hangs together. Mm. But I, I, I'm sorry, I've not played either of those three systems, so I, I'm just basing it purely on that. <laughs> just so I'm going basically... with MCD20. I, I chose mouse guide because the mice are cute, so don't worry about it. <laughs> so so essentially uh 2d20 conan is like a, a low rent rune quest really now now you see again the power is is in my hands uh i can't vote for golden heroes which is probably just as as well really uh I, I have the ability to be the kingmaker, 
uh, 2D20 Conan, low rent uh, room quest, as we call it now. Uh, <laughs> do you know, You're a bad man. Setting, setting myself up badly. I, I, I absolutely love RuneQuest. I do remember playing RuneQuest uh, and, and not, not Gloranthan RuneQuest, in fact, um, which probably really does date me, I think. Savage Worlds. I, I have only played Savage Worlds once. I do have Savage but I don't think I've got the uh, the Swade, uh, the Adventurous set. Uh, but I, I do remember, I do remember liking it very much. However, I absolutely am going to play Kingmaker, and uh, I am going to go for two D twenty system, uh, and it is a system I I am increasingly. Uh, falling in love with and and I think the reason being as I said before I think it's one of those the first time I read I think it was John Carter John Carter of Mars which is similarly as 2D20 isn't it and I was reading I was thinking what the hell is going on here and I'm thinking oh this is never gonna happen and then it wasn't too long after that that I actually played a a game of uh, John Carter of Mars and it just instantly it clicked and it just seemed to work really, really nicely. It was, there was enough crunch if you wanted to have crunch. There was enough sort of, uh, you know, uh, ability to sort of do heroic actions and you had the opportunity to spend, you know, uh, hero points and everything else. So I, I, I am going to go with 2D20. So, uh, uh, Wayne, you have a double. On, on your first appearance, you have the double. We had a Call of Cthulhu in terms of uh, uh, resource management. And uh, low rent room quick. I mean, two two D twenty Conan for uh, for damage stroke hit location stroke. Brilliant. Well done. Just proving that Wayne is actually the expert at resource management <laughs> in his bribery. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Fivers postal orders in the in in the post too. Marvelous. Uh, we, we agreed on fantastic. <laughs> and I, I got some positive love in for Classic Traveller as well. Which will never happen again. Oh. But just goes to show I don't hold it against contributors. Uh, listen, <laughs> gentlemen, absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. And, and you know, again, I think actually I sort of referenced him at the very beginning, the agri-hazard fan, Paul Fricker. Uh, I think he's absolutely right. I think, to be honest with you, we probably could have done about three hours on, on both both sets and really, really examined a lot of different games and stuff. But but genuinely, I think uh, we've we've got some fantastic stuff to work through. Call of Cthulhu, sort of resource uh, resource management. Will be will be interesting trying to get that enough, but I think it works quite well with some of the element elements. Again, basic role, uh, it's chaosium do remarkably well out of the grognards on this on this uh, on this uh, podcast, uh, and as as is two d twenty increasingly coming into into favour. So brilliant! Thank you very much indeed, gentlemen. I hope that's okay, and uh, many thanks for your, your appearances. Brilliant! Oh, thank, thanks very much, thank you, Dave. Very much. Been fun. Been fun. Cheers. So there you have it. That was episode six, and I hope you enjoyed it. Nice to have some new voices on. Uh, I'm sure they agree. Uh, do please check out both the Champions podcast uh, from Mark and the team. It's available on all good pod providers, and also, as you'll have heard midway through, the Tales of the Manticore podcast, which it, it, genuinely is a great pod and doing something really fun and innovative in the most 
uh, odd sort of podcast spheres. Uh, and if you listen to it, I'm sure you'll agree on that one. Uh, if you want to leave us a message at Anchor, please do. We're Frankenstein's RPG. We're also on Twitter, at Frankenstein RPG. And happy to take feedback and contributions on next uh, episode's topics of uh, careers, levels, uh, progression. Nice, easy one. Uh, and uh, skill tests. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Uh, see you soon.